just wordy. It's cumbersome to say. I don't like it in my mouth. Here's a hotline for you. I heard you say nachos are delicious and tacos are delicious. Daniel, can you have a taco and a nacho at the same time? The donkey and I, we're, we're good friends. Not the, sh- not the Shrek donkey. Backhand you for, for making me sit in a room with that guy. Not a chance. On my coordinator hat, Jim Chaney's, uh, there's, it's a lot of sweat going on on Jim Chaney's coordinator hat. Um, I didn't say put on your coordinator sweatshirt. I just said put on your coordinator hat. Welcome to Talking Dogs. I'm Clint. And I'm Daniel. And we're two guys who love UGA sports. One of us is from the South. And one of us is from the West Coast. One of us is a lifelong Georgia fan. One is a more recent convert. But we both share a borderline obsessive, often ridiculous desire to see UGA succeed, just like you do. This podcast is a place to talk about the dogs, the way you would at a tailgate, in your backyard, or over a drink with your friends. Are we insiders? Nah. Do we have lofty recruiting connections? Nope. We are just two guys who love talking about the dogs, so let's talk. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Talking Dogs podcast. I am Daniel. And I'm Clint. And it is championship week. People. And it's here. It is ju- uh, just, Clint, uh, tell the people what time you went to sleep last night. It's Monday morning as we're recording this. Go ahead. Uh, I kind of, I kind of feel like I need a booth around me of some sort and some blacked out facial, you know, recognition software to some voice recording. We'll blur your face in the, uh, in the audio, in the audio podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I may have gone to bed at around 2 AM last night, Daniel. Did you have a lot of work you needed to catch Uh, up on or did you have some projects around the house that were keeping you up? No painting was done. Uh, No, uh, no painting, no work, no reading, no emails. Well, there was reading, um, but it was reading people from your neck of the woods writing about Bama and us in the SEC game, championship game. Uh, no, I was I was full sweat, Daniel, in a deep dive of statistics and narratives and beat writers doing all they could to tell me, and I was just up all night thinking about it. So uh, that's my confession to the world that I am a. You confessed last week that you're a puny little man who is insecure. Correct. Uh, let Correct. me confess now, since you confess, let me do the same that I am just a uh, fixated, uh, overly passionate, stubborn man who cannot get off of things and waste my time doing this. I'd sacrifice sleep for this at this point, which is, wow. I don't, I don't get much sleep, so that's, that's a bad move on my, my behalf. It's, um, gosh, it's, it's real. The, the SEC Championship this, this year, am I, I'm not wrong about this. It feels different than it did last year. Let Correct? Me, let, 100%. This feels like the National Championship. I was just going to say, this is the National Championship. I'm not going to lie to you. I had a moment today where I realized if somehow I could choose mm-hmm. between winning this game and winning the national championship. I know that doesn't make any sense because if we if we lose this game, we have no shot at right. the national championship. So that's not a scenario where we could lose this game and win the national championship. But if it were, uh, I would choose to win this game. And I don't have any problem saying it. And I am listen, I'm the guy that is waiting to get that monkey off of our collective backs and win the national title so that we can shut everyone up who is, wants to talk about 1980 and how long ago that was and how Georgia hasn't done anything since then. Uh, I want that more than anyone. Yep. But but give me this game. This game. Give because me, This is it. Well, this is, this th- is it. This is the flip. So let's say, uh, you know, let's say we were – number one ranked going up against a fifth ranked Alabama, right? Uh, and they they won for the SEC championship, but we still sneak in to the playoff. We lose the SEC championship. Uh, we get, you know, we get down to four. Bama gets up to two. And, you know, we don't play each other the rest of the time. They go on to win the Natty against inferior Notre Dame, you know? Like, just come on. What, what are we doing there? Uh, 
in that scenario, that that would be a scenario where you're saying like we we win this game or Bama would you know win that game and then uh, or lose that game and then win the na- national championship. Give me this sure. game all day long, all day long, because this no, is I'll the best it. game. This is the game we've been waiting for since since uh, last January, eleven months, eleven plus months. Ooh. This is the game. We've been waiting for you and I, Clint, since episode one of this podcast. This is episode 38. Episode one of this podcast. Hours spent. Devoted to processing that game and, and looking forward to this day. Correct. When we would get another shot at Alabama. Yes. Um, this, is, this is the one. It feels so much different than last year's game. And so it's it's a big one. So listen, here's the way the podcast is going to break down um, for the week. Clint, we can't just put out a Monday episode and a Thursday episode. We can't be expected to no. to, to talk about this game in two episodes. Can we? Uh, I don't think so, Daniel. No, I don't think so either. Um, so listen, our plan this week for Championship Week is... To put out an episode every day, at least uh, between Monday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. Friday episode, Friday episode TBD. But we will do, we'll break down a different aspect of the game. We'll talk about a different aspect of the game today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we will conclude with a lock. Mm-hmm. We, we will give you a, a guaranteed lock. In this game, we are going to put our money where our mouth is for the week. Yes, we are. And um, and yeah, who knows? We might we might have so much to say that we come out with three or four episodes a day. We're not we're not really sure at this Look, point. Just like a balanced Clint. meal of breakfast, lunch, and dinner gets you through the day, maybe so does talking about the SEC championship. I mean, you were up till 2 a.m. just filling up notepads. That's with, all I was uh, doing, Daniel. With statistics. Uh-huh. So it's not, uh, it's not above us. So, Clint, we've got a full week of SEC Championship talk, but we would be remiss mm-hmm. if we did not talk about what we just witnessed last Saturday. Let's do that. In the poorly named rivalry, clean, old-fashioned hate. Daniel, I, really quick on that. I was watching the game with my wife. And uh, the the stupid graphic came up about clean old fashioned hate that was made by a seventh grader down down in in I don't know what part of Georgia they they made believe, that from I believe Rick Rick Neuheisel may have designed it himself <laughs> uh, he was he was just putting down he he stopped plucking the six string for a moment and he said let me go ahead and, and let me try my hand at clip art graphics. Uh, <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, but the graphic comes up where it, 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 the title's on there, and my wife just goes, is that the name of this game? And I said, yeah, it is. She goes, that's the longest name of a game I've ever seen. And I said, Daniel's going to be pleased to hear that. You nailed it, it's Haley. True. It's just It's just wordy. It's cumbersome to yep. say. I don't like it in my mouth. No. Um, uh, so what's... Let's do this. We don't want to spend too much time on this game. We obliterated Georgia Tech. We treated Georgia Tech like the little brother that they are. And I've got three things that I took away from this game. Clint, I'd just love to hear your thoughts on these two. I got three big statements Give it to about me. this game that I think encapsulate mm-hmm. both what happened on the field and how I feel about what happened on the field. Okay? Love it. Here's my sta- here's statement number one. Jonathan Ledbetter and DeAndre Walker are sick of the triple option. Are they not? They're done, Daniel. They just they, they just, just gone done, hated it, and they just want to be done with it and move on. They said it's my senior year. Mm-hmm. I've seen this thing now. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm done with it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go out and make every tackle in the game. Correct. 13 and 15 may have made every tackle in the game. They just, gosh, those two guys dominated the field when they were on it. And it was so much fun to watch. For two seniors against Georgia Tech in their last run, you could just tell they just got they got sick of it. They did. They really, really Kirby, did, Daniel. Kirby said after the game, if you beat them bad enough, long enough, 
then you won't have to defend the triple yeah. option anymore because yeah. cause it'll go away. If you guys want to uh, see and, cold-blooded Kirby in an interview, ask Point Blank how he, how he prepares for triple option and does he enjoy it. And his answer was, well, we keep playing like this. We won't have to worry about preparing for it. And, oh, oh, Paul Johnson, reach out to somebody. Okay. <laughs> we know that we know you're going through a lot. Reach out to I'm just, just, we care about you. Reach out to someone, get some help. I care about you more as a person than I do a coach right now. And you're reeling. No, man. we all do. Yeah. You're being bullied. You're being bullied and it's not okay. It's not. Just reach out, reach out and talk to somebody. There's a hotline Take, for share you. Your feelings. Share your feelings. Um, the law firm cannot help you unless yeah. you're looking yeah. to make out a will, uh, which you may, which you may want to do. Hey, that's fine too. Point. Um, uh, second big statement, Clint. I was not aware, but apparently it's true. Uh, Jake Fromm can also throw a oh. deep ball to Nicole Hardman. Oh. Is that? Well, I was, you saw I was that too, the, Daniel? I was under the impression via Twitter that um, Justin Fields was the only one that could put a ball in stride right into the hands of number four for a touchdown when he was streaking wide open down the field. But is that I, was I wrong about that? You were Daniel. Twitter has lied to you. I know it's shocking. I know. <sighs> I know this well, is going to be going to change my whole paradigm. That's changes gonna... everything. Twitter lies. <laughs> I know. Santa Claus, not real. Easy. <laughs> Twitter lies. It's a bad, bad day for you in the in the paradigm shattering world. But Daniel, why is there this narrative? I don't understand. I'm going to say two statements to you. Okay, I'm going to say two statements, okay. and then you tell me why these two statements must be pitted against each other. Okay, sure. Okay, sure. Jake Fromm is an excellent quarterback. Yes. Okay. Justin Fields is an excellent quarterback. Let me just tell you what I heard you say. I heard you say nachos are delicious uh-huh. and tacos are delicious. You did. Now, now and, Daniel, have you ever... We live in a universe where both of those things... Daniel, can you can have a taco true. and a nacho at the same time? Yeah, I frequently do. Okay, good. I did last night. In fact. In fact. So so I don't understand. I really don't understand the narrative of why when I say those two statements, then the outcome must be, well, which one's better? I, I, guys, I don't, I don't need to play that game. We have two amazing quarterbacks on this roster. We, we're not – this is not an Alabama situation with Hurts and with Tua because you know what? Where one is clearly superior to the other. Tua yeah, is, is hands down better than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts would, would struggle on other teams to play, okay? There are other quarterbacks you would rather have than Jalen Hurts. You make a free agent draft and you put our two quarterbacks in there – they're going in the top five, guys. And they're both going very high. That's right. It just It doesn't make any sense to me. So, yes, Jake Fromm can do it. Yes, Justin Fields can do it. Just sit back and enjoy it, people, because it's glorious. Watching watching it is the best part. That's the best part. It's not, that's, it's not about who's better, Jake Fromm, or who's better, Justin Fields. What's better nope. is watching both of them play. That's it. That's what's better. All right, third, my third and final statement <clears throat> Clint, after this game, this this guy's not been getting a lot of a lot of love oh. from us on the podcast. I'm ready. Let's give him I'm some ready love. To op- I'm ready to open a door here, Clint. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna declare publicly for the world, I am officially ready for the Malik Herring era to begin mm-hmm. at the University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. This cat number ten. Is just a bad man, Clint. He a bad man. He Daniel. just he just has some bad intentions, and he is only putting on weight. It seems like only doing that. Whey protein is and, very very yeah. accessible at UGA facilities. He he looks like he might be that dude next year. 
on the defensive line now. Hey, hey Daniel, remember that time uh, where Britton Cox was spoken about? Remember that time? Britton's going to have his day in the sun. He will. He will. But Britton's going to have his day in the sun. But you want to talk about, boy, is it going to hurt to lose Jonathan Ledbetter? Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the season, I would have said, oh, it's going to hurt bad to lose Jonathan Ledbetter. And Jonathan Ledbetter, I just got finished saying, just played the best game of his career. Oh, yeah. And yet, I come out of this game going, we just got somebody we're going to slot right in to old Jonathan Ledbetter's spot. Malik Herring has emerged as a threat Malik Herring the defensive was, line. Here's what I love about what I just saw and what I love about Kirby Smart. Again, I... You know our love for our head coach. He, in our book, is the best football coach there is in America. We love that he's here. But I love how when he was asked after the game, hey, what changed? Ledbetter and Malik had the games of their life. How did you get them prepared? And Kirby's response was, I just told him to go play backyard football. I just said, mm-hmm. you're bigger, you're stronger, you're faster. Go make something happen. And mm-hmm. I could just imagine Ledbetter and Malik going, Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. Let's we I coach, I've been I could do that. It's the same thing we were talking about with Otis Reese yeah. last week on the pod. You just so what you're telling me, coach, is I just key on this one guy and I go just blow him up and then tackle the guy with the ball? Is that what you're saying I need to do? Cool. Yep. Cool beans. No, the things that I that. the things I, I couldn't agree more. These two guys put out their minds. My takeaways are this, Daniel. We have the right guys in the right spot at the right time. I mean, I know I know that's the narrative that everybody wants to talk about, peaking at the right time. But to me, it's not just peaking. It's the right personnel. We have the right guys in the right spots. We know who they are. We have the right rotation of D-line. We got the right linebackers. Uh, talk about playing up. My word, Daniel. Our backers came to play this game flying Didn't they? all over the field. Didn't they? Wow. My word. They they played fantastic. They did. Um, But the thing that excites me, why we have the right guys, is I saw a game plan, I saw coaching, and then I saw execution from our defensive front seven, who said, yes, you told me to key on one guy, I'm going to keep disciplined. Uh, Ledbetter rushed the, the, I think, I think we had like three pressures on the quarterback in the game on three passes and we had three sacks or something like that. Like it was just our, our, our proficiency at getting to the passer. If you can call Georgia Tech's offense, anything about that passing. Yeah. I don't uh, know. I don't, I don't know if I would go that far. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, tout our pass rush. Cause that's not what happened at Georgia Tech, but I am going to tout that. They read their keys, they they diagnosed when a play was run or when they were going to do their stupid pass, and they tracked it down and got to it. And that shows me we have the right guys playing the right way on the defense. I'm thrilled for that. Uh, and my other big takeaway is this. Look, I know there are some heavy hitter offenses in the country. I know that. I get that. Uh, our offense can roll with anybody. Our offense is right there and is not going to back down. Uh, Bama, Ohio State, these teams that that light up the scoreboard. Uh, our offense can play right there with them, guys. It's not a question. I I want to agree with you. We're mm-hmm. gonna get into Alabama, but it's just there's so in the back of my mind. There's just this gnawing. Listen, Georgia Tech. We talked about it. Georgia Tech's defense is bad. It bad. They're bad. Okay, the day, game before that was UMass. Clint, like we're but talking about. I'm talking three weeks before that, Daniel. Go, I'm fine. Take out these three games or two games. I, I understand. We're, okay, but we but we scored 27 points against Auburn. So I mean, that's the thing is I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves that this offense is some sort of juggernaut because, but gosh, there's just so much confidence. There's so much confidence right now yep. going in this game. All right, let's move. Let's move on. Georgia Tech. I mean, I'm just. I'm going to say right now, if Kirby Smart and Paul Johnson are the head coaches, Georgia Tech's never beating uh, Georgia again. Guys, start a GoFundMe 
start making donations to the registrar at Georgia Tech uh, for There's Paul not, Johnson in the memo line. There is not a chance that they beat us again no. with Paul Johnson at the moment. Nope. As long as we have Kirby. So, uh, let's move on. Okay. It's the biggest game of the season. It's the biggest game of the of the year. It is Ooh. the rematch. It is the redemption. It is... It's everything, Clint. It's everything. It's the SEC championship game. I'm going to start right here. Okay. I want to talk about the most exciting thing about this game for you and I want to talk about the most nerve-wracking thing no. about this game for you. I'm going to let you decide which one you want to start with and then I'll give you mine in that in that category and then we'll move on to the other one. So, if it were up to me, I would always start with the most nerve-wracking thing because well, that's I all I it's all basically all I can think yeah. about. I was just going to say uh I I sympathize with Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. Uh, you tiggers and you piglets and you poos, like good for you guys. But uh, the donkey and I were we're good friends. Uh, yeah. So I want to talk. The, a- not the Shrek donkey. No. Oh, not the Shrek oh, donkey. Not gosh, I will backhand you for for making me sit in a room with that guy. Not a chance. <laughs> um, uh, Daniel, I want to talk about the thing that makes me most nervous about this All right. game. What is it? What is it? The thing that makes me most nervous about this game, most nerve-wracking, uh, not not Tua. Tua doesn't keep me up at night. Not Tua. Nope. That's not nerve-wracking for me. Uh, Nick Saban, not nerve-wracking to me whatsoever. Uh, the most nerve-wracking thing to me is our running game getting absolutely obliterated, stuffed up, running nowhere, oh no time. I am oh my. I, now I'm I, later on we'll we'll get to our predictions or maybe some feels or maybe even what what's our game plan against Bama. But my biggest fear is that we get we go back to the first three games where Swift doesn't look explosive uh, Elijah is slogging through the trenches. Our offensive line forgets what blocking is. Uh, and Alabama's front seven remembers ha- what got them here, what made them Bama for years. Uh, I am just, I could just picture the worst thing for me is picturing our, our run game getting absolutely no yards and no traction whatsoever from the onset of the game. And if that's the case, our whole game plan goes down the toilet. Um, that just that keeps me up. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I did. I do not have. That's not the most nerve-wracking. Listen, there are a plethora of things that make me nervous about this game. I'm not going to pretend that there's not. But the thing that makes me the most nervous is sort of the other side of the same coin that you're talking about, Clint, and that is our wideouts. I think our wideouts ability, or should I say potential inability to make plays in this game is the thing that that makes me the most nervous going Mm -hmm. forward because I think that that's going to be the thing that completely hamstrings our game plan and prevents us from, you know, from being able to force the box to open up mm-hmm. and be able to run the ball easily and effectively. If if our wideouts can't get open in single coverage, if our wideouts can't make key catches on third down, 50-50 balls on the – if if – the ball hits them in the hands. If we have some drops, if we have some wideouts that get out physical that they can't get open, uh, I I I think that's going to be the thing that that prevents us from doing. They're going to be able to stack the box, run blitz, mm-hmm. hit in the holes, and 
and shut down the running game because they can just leave single coverage out there on the outside because our wideouts don't scare them and can't do anything against them. That's the thing I think that makes me the most nervous. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good way of saying it because I my fear is the end conclusion of that. Um, I fear that as the game goes on, they're able to key off our running game. Because you know this, Daniel, and Georgia Nation, you know this as well, that our running attack is our bread and butter. It sets up everything. If we want to pass, passing does set up the run offense. I get that as well. But we want to do certain things. We want to do it first through the run uh, because that's how you chop down a team. That's how you keep them off balance. They have to respect that aspect. And any time we have two guys that can take it the distance, uh, three, uh, if if James is in there. But but man, I'm just going to be demoralized if our vaunted offensive line gets pushed back against the defensive line. I'm I'm just. It's going to be. We're going to have a whole episode this week where we talk about the offensive line and and the defensive line. Yes, we of will. This game, I think it's um, it's it's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Let's flip. Let's flip the. Let's flip it over, Clint. Because I think is it safe to say? Am I reading this correctly? Are you excited about this game? Uh, I Are think you? so, Daniel. I think it's fair to say oh. I'm excited. That's yeah, that might be a okay thing to say. Um, I'm also just as Eeyore as I am, I'm also quite excited about Mm -hmm. this game. Tell me the thing that makes you the most excited when it comes to the aspect of this game that excites you the most. Uh, I don't know how I can think this. I don't know. Georgia, I... Nation, I don't know how I can think this and feel this, and yet I am here doing it. I What gets me most excited about this game is the thought that we are going to just absolutely take it to Alabama, and every single sports writer in the nation has to say, well, we were dead wrong. Well, mm. uh, I have no idea what to say now because I'm being paid by Nick Saban to write words of, of his glory. And I can't do that anymore. What excites me the most is that I genuinely believe, and this is not just fanboy talking here. Uh, this is not Twitter sphere kind of thoughts. This is, this is me thinking and looking and diagnosing that our team is just right there talent, skill, coaching, everything wise. And there is a scenario, not just a a chance, but a good chance that we sock it to Alabama and we finish them off. That's what that that excites me. Just that thought, Daniel, like, like normally teams coming to Alabama and, and, uh, and normally it's like, well, guys, we got to be on our best game and things have to, we have to fall right. And, you know, let's just cover and, no, that's that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about we have a legit chance to be the most the more dominant team on the field on Saturday, and that ex- I, I mean that in and of itself excites the the heck out of me. That is that's interesting, um, I, I, and I think especially at the beginning of your point, I resonate with, and that's what I have written down as the most exciting thing about this game to me. I. To me, I could look at several things on the field that excite me. I could talk about DeAndre Swift. I could talk about Ben Cleveland coming back. I could talk about I could talk about a lot of things in this game. I could talk about the emergence of Jordan Davis and what a factor mm-hmm. he's going to be in this game. Uh, which, I mean, raise your hand if you saw that coming. Yeah, the first week of the season. Yeah, liar. Uh, put, you, put your yeah. hand down. You're a liar. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that excites me most about this game has nothing to do with what's going to happen on the field. It has to do with what's happening right now. Correct. And that is that is the fact that Georgia is a double-digit underdog and that no one is giving us a chance to win this game. That everyone is treating us like the pity case. Uh-huh. Like everyone is treating us 
like the kid with the terminal illness that gets to play on the football team and everyone on the other team gets out of the way and lets them score a touchdown and uh-huh. it's an emotional video and everybody cries. That's who everyone believes Georgia is in this game. Just someone to like, oh, they have a they have a pretty good team too, and they won their division too, and they they get to go and play now. And you know what? They're gonna get to go to a New Year's Six game after this. They're gonna get to go yep. and play in the Sugar Bowl. Good yep. for them. Good for them, guys. That ain't it. That's not that. No, stop that with that. Ain't it? But you know what? Keep keep spinning that yarn. Keep, hey. keep, keep, keep letting that narrative flow out into the public. Uh, I'm not going to do anything to refute it. I don't need to puff out my chest and say anything because Georgia is just laying in the weeds for Alabama. Wait, they totally fine with me, guys. T- absolutely, where you want to be, talent-wise, mm-hmm. recruiting-wise. Skill-wise, we're there, guys. Listen, our guys are young. We got freshmen and sophomores. I get it. Our guys are young. We're going to be better next year than we are this year. I get it. But talent-wise, we ain't that far off. No. Okay? Alabama hadn't played a team like us yet. People. Okay? People. They haven't I, played a team like us. Yet. I am not downplaying Alabama. I am not talking bad against them. I am not taking them lightly. They are a gr- guys. They're so good. I get that. I'm not. Who else is so good, Clint? You know who else is so good? We are, Daniel. Hmm. We are. That's who's so good. No. Okay. But, but Clint, just double digit underdog. Yeah. Alabama just gonna roll in uh-huh. this game. You know what I love? Love, love seeing this so far. By the way. Bama players coming out trash talking already, uh, mm-hmm. talking about how they're picking mm-hmm. up where they left off last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally doesn't. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a Georgia player talk yet, Daniel? No, no. That's just fine. laying in the weeds, Clint. Good with me. Just l- just laying in the weeds, ready to strike. That's mm. that's who this team is, guys. <clears throat> there's no better. There's no better place for us to be. That's the thing that excites me the most about this game mm. is Georgia doesn't get the opportunity to shock the world very many times because we're no. Georgia. But, but guys, if you think there is anyone outside the state of Georgia that thinks we're going to win this game, no, you are fooling yourself. Everyone knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're losing this game. And that's exactly where Kirby wants to be. Listen, do you think you think Coach Strickland, the strength staff, you think they uh you think they're letting anybody know about the you think they're showing that second twenty six? Oh you think you, you think, think they're that showing that in, on the, loop, in the weight room? On loop, guys. You think they're playing all these all these uh ESPN talking heads? No. You think they're playing that those, those Is interviews? Paul Feinbaum is Kirby thinking of Paul Feinbaum's name right now? No, he's not. Kirby doesn't know who Paul Feinbaum is. He don't care, guys. Kirby forgot Paul Feinbaum more times than Paul Feinbaum remembered Paul Feinbaum. Well said, Daniel. Well said. I'm watching um, this. I'm watching this show right now. You guys, you guys should watch it. Called uh, Adam ruins everything, and and this guy mm-hmm. goes through and he he demystifies thing historical historical stories or facts that you may think. Uh, and it's wild because you have this narrative like uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, greatest American explorer ever, right? Daniel, that's what we teach everybody. Just uh, founded America, yada, yada, yada. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Christopher Columbus never set foot on American soil? Sure, but okay. but he did take a bunch of money from... Uh-huh. Some king and he did he did sail, go on a sailing expenditure sail for a bit. on somebody else's yeah. dime. He did do that. Uh, here's where here's where I'm going with this. When you hear Alabama or sorry normal fan or or kind of the fan that's on the peripheral of college football say, well you know Bama they just got all the good players and they're just going to steamroll. And you ask them a question like who they who are you talking about which players and they go well Tua I'm like okay. Who else? And they're like, well, I, I, I don't know. They're, they're all there, aren't they? 
And like, okay, that's, they got that guy. They got that guy on the defensive that, line. That defensive guy, right? What's what's who's who's that? And you go, okay, they got that guy. Who does Georgia have? Oh, that, Georgia doesn't have anybody that can stack up against Bama. Do do you know anything about a dang thing other than the narrative you've been fed that Bama has the best, the elites, the greatest, the yada yada yada? You don't know. It's just this thing you've been fed and you believe. Now that. That doesn't translate into automatic win. I get that. We have to go out and we have to no. play and we have to play hard. But it's a wrong narrative because we're here, people. We're we are neck and neck, skill, coach, everything wise. We're right there. All right, let's jump in. Let's jump into the breakdown today. We're only gonna we're gonna break down one aspect of the game. It's not gonna be. It's gonna be a more general breakdown of the game. We're gonna start big and then we're gonna we're gonna kind of focus in on some key areas that we think will play out in the game. Uh, but today we're gonna stick to this, uh, Clint. Let's let's talk about the game plan. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I want you to I want you to put your coordinator hat on. Am I okay? And I want you to I want you to think through what you what you think would be an ideal game plan. Well, as as How I'm putting on my ha- on my coordinator hat, Jim Cheney's uh, there's it's a lot of sweat going on on Jim Cheney's coordinator hat. I I might have found a new coordinator hat versus yeah. recycling the old one, but that's I, that's on you. <laughs> I picked up the one that was in front of me. Turns out I got to go take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't say put on your coordinator sweatshirt. I just said put on your <laughs> no. coordinator hat. No. Um, listen, how do our strengths match up against their weaknesses? Where do their strengths match up against? How do we? How do we? Um, mitigate our weaknesses versus their strengths. Talk to me about Georgia's ideal game plan going into this game. What do you want to see us do besides score more points and win? Yeah. What specifically do you want to see us do? Let's start when we have the ball on offense, Clint. What, what's your ideal game plan for this game when we have the ball? Here's my ideal game plan that I think is actually something we can do and is going to lead to victory and that is taking it right up the gut off of Ben Cleveland off of Solly off of all of our offensive line just saying Elijah Swift we're going to keep to the inside zone we're going to keep to the trap with Elijah we're going to keep to these things and we're going to body blow Alabama to death and we're going to start it from quarter one, and we're going to go all the way to the fourth quarter, thumping them inside, and and then sprinkling in. I want to see Jake Fromm's, uh, I, and I think this is this could be a, the case. I want to see his percentage at like eighty five completion, eighty five percent completion percentage, because he's thrown you know eleven passes, uh, you know something like that. I I want to see the highest percentage points. I want to see his average yards per attempt. Something at like, you know, 18, 19 yards, something like that, because we're just crushing them. And then we're saying, hey, JJ, go go get a 25-yard dig. Go get a go route. Hey, Mecole, go get it, bro. I'm going to dime it to you out there. Uh, because that's where I think our offense is most exciting. And I again, I don't think Bama has the defense to stop our game plan if we execute well that we want to do. Uh they have the number one pass defense in the nation, according to some. They just have the best pass breakup and disruption and most sacks in the SEC. I, I get all that. I, I really do. Uh, but they haven't played a team that has our game plan. I can't think of one. Uh, all the teams they play just don't don't execute and don't look at things like we do. Uh, Auburn does not play what we play. Uh, Auburn doesn't play what anybody plays. What anybody? Gus is Gus yeah. is driving his own bus over there. Uh, He's so not. true. Uh, old Old Miss. You, are you kidding me? Like I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna go there with that. They haven't played a single team that has the the breadth of offensive production that we have with the offensive line that we have. They haven't seen it. They've seen skill people. Old Miss got a couple of receivers that can go out and ball. They've seen a couple of guys that have speed, but they have not seen uh, the total package like us. And I think we can, we can do what we do all day long. And Daniel, I said my biggest fear was the run game getting stuffed up. Uh, 
I think what we lean on is we we go for 250 rushing in this game, and we lean heavy Hello. on that. That's that's what I say we do. 250 still under our season average rushing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, listen. Um, All right, Jim Cheney Jr., what, I, what do you do? I, I could not disagree with you more, Clint. <laughs> I just, that's par for the course uh, for what's been this year so far, Daniel. I think we started off this way at the be- very beginning of the year, Daniel. We did. Uh, yeah. Listen, you had me for a minute... I think the run game will be a significant factor in this game. But let me tell you why I think you can't just come out and try to establish the run and body blow for four quarters to take a phrase from you. Because teams that you body blow for four quarters and then wear them down in the fourth quarter and impose your will and you know have huge gains, huge gashes in the fourth quarter... Teams that you do that to are teams that that you generally have confidence that you can stop on defense mm. because mm. because those body blows mm-hmm. are maybe not, I should qualify what I mean by not, body blow. I'm not I'm not talking Mississippi State. Let's get five yards, six yards. I'm I'm talking. Uh, we run swift off tackle for three plays in a drive, and one of them busts for sixty. Because that's yeah, our that's no, I, our run game. I just yeah, I just think the way one of those runs bust for sixty is this: you say you want Jake Fromm to throw eleven passes and to average eighteen yards per attempt. I'm telling you, I want Jake Fromm to throw thirty passes and oh. average nine yards per attempt. Okay. You just want to just want, dart them to, to death, Daniel. I want to come out and establish the short passing game. Okay. That's what I want to come at. So if I'm offensive coordinator, listen, I'm not saying I might run first play of the game. Okay, I'm not saying I sure. won't yeah. run first play of the game. But my my game plan is going to be, first of all, if we win the coin toss, I'm deferring. The, I yeah. want to play defense first. Second of all, once we get out there on offense, my goal is going to be to get some wide receivers in space, to hit a quick slant, to hit a tight end hitch route over the middle, to uh, run some play action, to get the linebackers moving, and to use the lean on the strengths of our team. Which uh-huh. one of the main key strengths of our team is Jake Fromm's decision-making and accuracy. And so I want to lean on that, and I want to use that okay. to spread the linebackers out. Okay. To and uh, it's obvious. So you said Alabama's got one of the best passing defenses in the nation. That's true. And then you mentioned the stat that makes them one of the best passing defenses in the nation, which is sacks. Yeah. Okay. They they are a team that is dominant in the pass rush. Dominant. As when you look at the numbers, it is gross. Mm-hmm. They're 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 pass rush numbers, and that's why I say you got to take that completely out of play. You take the pass rush out of play with with short, quick throws, and then so you mix in power run. Okay. With short, quick throws. Okay. So you're so, you're talking a lot of a lot of even swift coming out of the backfield. You're getting some some checkdowns. Yeah. You're talking a lot of a lot of over the middle, quick slants, yeah. tunnel screens. I think you run a, a a slant to the outside, a hitch route to the outside, and then you run swift on a wheel route. Yeah, around, there we go. Off of a slant so that you get the corner moving this way. Because you, you know who's going to suck up on the right on hash, right hash. Absolutely. They're going to they're going to see Jake Fromm turn his shoulders to the right hash. They're going to jump an out or a hook route. I want to see him do that. I want to see Jim Cheney this week just grab Jake Fromm's helmet and say, bro, put your shoulders to that. They're going to jump it and then hit J.J. or Meikle for, for 40 yards downfield. It's yeah, going to be open. Can, can Dylan Moses rush, rush the passer when he's yeah. one-on-one, man-to-man against DeAndre Swift? In the flat? No, he can't no. rush the passer. He's, when he's, he's out of the man he's out of picture. Right. Yeah, so, and then you use that, get the linebackers moving, have balance, get people's eyes in the wrong places, 
And then all of a sudden, Ben Cleveland just put it in your ear hole. Yeah. And opened up a hole and opened up a, a gaping hole for a power run. That's how I would attack right. if right. I'm Georgia. I think we have. To your point, they ain't seen a team like us. And the, and the thing not. about the thing about us that they haven't seen is, I don't know. We haven't talked about this, Clint, but somehow, somewhere along the way, we did it. We have balance. Like it's it's what we Kirby has balance. been. It's what Kirby has been saying that he wanted all year, and you can't even. You can't even uh, tell me what's our more effective unit, passing game, running game. You can't. Because we are such a balanced team. We are such a balanced attack that I say you have to lean on that. You can't come out and try to, and try to forsake all that balance. You have to let our ability to throw the ball. You have to let Jake Fromm's ability to make reads at the line of scrimmage and to key on defenses and pick them apart – and the offensive line's ability to mash people, you have to let those things play in tandem. So you establish the short passing game, you use that to create the power running game, and then you just continue to lean on them. So I want yeah. I want twelve play drives that end in a yep. touchdown. Yep. Because that's how you beat Alabama. Yeah. And that's I guess my biggest thing is looking at their strength and looking at who they are. Uh Nick Saban is always gonna want to be an aggressive play caller on defense he's going to have a defense that is running downhill he's got a defense that's very 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 aggressive uh blitzing like you said even run blitzing that that aggression of loading the box and coming in I guess my biggest thought to that is not only what do we do well uh, and we do those things very well we have an outstandingly great skilled position group of our wide receivers we have two outstanding running backs, three that are home run busters. Accuracy, uh, the decision making. I may, I may fight you on a bit because the thing that scares me about Fromm. Really? Well, I, I think he has good decision making. I think he can read very well. But again, can is there a person? You said he had a little Aaron Murray in him. You know, is there a person that could take a a second? And ten sack better than Jake Fromm at times this year, you know. Yes, it's Aaron Murray. <laughs> St- still to this day, uh, Aaron Murray patented the second yeah. and ten sack. Yeah, but that's why that's why I'm saying you get it out, you get it out quick. But, I'm saying, but Daniel, when Jake Fromm releases the ball, yeah, that's true. I I know he's made a couple bad throws this year. Everybody makes a couple bad throws, of course. But when he releases the ball, you feel pretty good. Uh, yeah, I I guess my I guess, again, with the aggression that Alabama wants to have on defense, uh, I've seen, like, the inside run with the aggression, with a Swift especially. I love, we have the right running back to play this defense, people, by the way. We have the right running back. I don't think, Elijah, I, I love Elijah, and I, I Swift is better. Um, I want to see Swift more in this game. Because Swift has the ability, once he makes that cut and makes a defender miss, he's up to the second level, and the rest of Alabama defense is now at his back, you know? Uh, and that's what I'm, I'm excited for on that front. Absolutely. All right, let's move, let's move the game plan to the other side of the ball. So, yeah, let me, let me ask you, Daniel. If you're a defensive coordinator, what are you doing? What are you doing if you're Mel? I think there's two things that you have to do in this game if you're Mel. I think thing number one is you have got to stop the run. All right, it is it's paramount. I know it's it's not it's not Alabama's strength. It's uh, Alabama's strength is their passing game. It's what they want to do. It's Tua. It's easy to get into this Alabama game and think, look, we've got to shut down Tua. We've got to shut down the passing game. But but you have to make Alabama one-dimensional. And so you have to be able to stop the run. <coughs> I think you have to leave some guys out in coverage early in the game in order to make sure that they don't they're not able to establish Damian Harris and the running game. I think you've gotta you've gotta almost sell out to stop the run. And then I think our best shot at slowing down Alabama 
once we've stopped the run, it is to bring extra guys on in the uh, uh, in the blitz. We've got to bring more than four. Almost not every play, but we have to bring more than four on it on nearly every play. So if you give Tua more than five seconds to throw, you can't beat this team. That is the that is the cold hard truth. There is no defensive back in the country that can cover these wide receivers. And it's not because two is so great. I'm on record. There's no nope. defensive back in the country that can cover these wide receivers for five seconds or Correct. More. Period. That includes DeAndre Baker. That includes J.R. Reed. That includes uh, Stokes and Campbell. Uh, that's, there's no one in this country that can cover these wide receivers for more than five seconds. And so... You have got to sell out to stop the run to make them mm-hmm. one-dimensional. And then once mm-hmm. you get them in a passing situation, you have got to bring more guys. You've got to bring five. You've got to bring six. You've got to leave some guys. Listen, you can't have everything. No. You can't play. You can't have coverage and pass rush and run blitzes and linebackers who stay home. Okay? Right. You have to make. You have to make choices. And I'm saying. You make choices that lean on the strongest part of your defense. And as much as we've lamented several aspects of several people this year, the strength of our defense is still the secondary. Yes. That's what I'm saying. You you leave those guys to cover. And you tell them, I want maximum effort mm-hmm. for five seconds. Mm-hmm. Because you won't have to cover anyone for more than five seconds because we are bringing extra guys uh, um, in the pass rush. So sell out to stop the run early and bring extra guys on every uh, – now every down is a passing down when you're Alabama. But yeah. uh, but certainly you got to get them to third down, sell out to stop the run, get them to third down, deflect some passes, get your hands up on the defensive line – Get them to third down, and then you gotta bring guys on Have third to. down. You you gotta bring guys. So that's that's my that's my best shot at a game plan for Alabama. And then you're still gonna give up points. Uh, Daniel, you and I are in agreement on this one. Uh, I think the ru- shut down the running attack, make them one dimensional, and it sounds silly because everybody wants to look at Tua. Everybody wants to look at the wide receivers and want to look at the passing and say, you don't want that being the strength. But to me, there are three position groups or three groups on defense this week. Uh, and here are the three. Here's, here's how I'd coach them. Uh, there's the, the people who put pressure on. There's the corners. And then there's LeCount. These are the three. These are the three groups of people I want to talk to. Richard LeCount, J.R. Reed, J.R. Reed just don't play, or he's he, no, no, he's, he, he's no, no, he's part of he's part of the he's he's going in between between pressure and guys in coverage on the outside. Because I, I think okay. J, while J.R. Reed is in the box, I, I think he that star position can kind of go between the two. So, so here's what I want to see: Richard LeCount, for the love of all that is holy, I want to see you make two tackles this week. That's that's what I want to see happen. This week, I want to see you make two tackles, and that is it. I want you playing center field a la Earl Thomas. Just sit back because it's going to be maximum effort for five seconds or that, that, that ball that Tua tries to drop behind or that stupid scheme they do with, with getting one guy going up the seam. Richard, I want you way, way, way back there stopping the big plays. We stop the big plays. Uh, we're going to have success. We limit the plays they make over 20 yards. We're going to be okay. Sell it to stop the run. Make them one-dimensional. Tua doesn't scare me, but my goodness. Like his the, – the oh, gosh. The play where he uh, uh, threw to the corner end zone that really, really capped the game for Bama against Auburn this week. And I think Judy caught it for a touchdown. Uh, it was a duck of a ball. This ball was ugly as all get out. It's uh, a kickoff. Yeah, it's essentially a kickoff. Yes, exactly. Judy made a fantastic play on that ball, coming back, grabbing it over the Auburn defender. Their wide receivers are, guys, they're terrifying. 
Like, just don't kid yourself. Their wide receivers are terrifyingly great. Um, but if we make them one-dimensional, we make Tua have to beat us with his arm. I believe in our coverage guys on the outside. Stokes, hello. Welcome to the game, big guy. You keep doing you. Uh, Baker, Richard LeCount make two tackles. J.R. Reed, uh, sit on that zone and keep guys from, from catching that seam ball. And then the pressure packages in run blitzing and pass blitzing. Uh, get home, guys. Get home because Tua is is just as normal as normal can get when you get home. He's not just, he's not going to beat us. You got to tackle him when you get there, though. You have to. That's what I mean. Get home, tackle him. You get a body on him. You're able to to hit him. He's going to go down, and his accuracy goes way, 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 way south in a hurry once that happens in games that I've That's seen. That's what I'm saying. You can sit eight guys in coverage and all day, mm-hmm. and eight on three. If the three are Judy, uh, uh, what's his name, Ruggs mm-hmm. and Waddle, if mm-hmm. those are the three – they're going to destroy you. They're not going to pick you apart. They're going to go over the top and Correct. score touchdowns. They're, like they're eight on three, so you can sit back in all the coverage you want. That I just don't think you can win that no. way. I think you've got to have some corners that grow a pair and mm-hmm. say, "I'm going to give it maximum effort." I might get beat one or two times. Okay, I might get. I might. I might give up a pi one time because That's fine. I'm because I'm beat. But for the most part, listen, give me give me Adam Anderson. Give me Brenton Cox. Mm-hmm. Give me DeAndre Walker. Give me um give me J.R. Reed on the blitz. Mm-hmm. Okay. Give me give me Stokes on the blitz. Mm-hmm. Okay. Give give me some looks where there's a linebacker rolling off into coverage and there's a corner coming in hot on the blitz. Give me some, give me some zone blitzes. Give me some. Just you gotta, you gotta try to mix it up. You gotta try to, to confuse him, and then you've got to hit him, and hit him, and hit him, and hit him, and hit him. Because they uh, turn into many... a different team once that happens. They don't have an answer. If that is taken from them, they don't have a corollary that they can go to. Over under two and a half. Times Sex. that the athletic training staff oh, comes yeah. out to check on a potentially injured Tua, and then he comes back in the game showing no signs of injury. Well, that's, that's, uh, it's it's been over in every game so far, so let's keep that rolling. Correct. I mean, he's rolling around on the ground in agony after yeah. getting hit. Yeah. And then next play, he jogs right back out there. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. And over under on how many times Gary Danielson applauds his toughness and metal. The you know what? I want to change my answer to the thing I am most nervous about this game. Uh, <laughs> Breaking that, your television. <laughs> that I am going to rip out my speaker system and throw it outside. That's what I'm most nervous about. Yeah. It's been a it's been a hot minute since we had Gary. In the game, it's been a few weeks, and those few weeks have been glorious. They've been so good. They've been so nice. Uh, no, I I think, uh, gosh, guys, again, we're on record. Tua is not gonna not gonna be the world beater uh, that we think he is. His wide receivers make him the make him great. His his wide receivers have carried him a whole entire year, um, and the play calling. Now, the other thing that we have to look out for in this game, and if you don't think this is true. Maybe, Daniel, I should ask you a question. Um, Does Kirby Smart, does he have animosity, anger, vitriol hate for Nick Saban and the way that he lost this game last year? Are those things true? I don't think he necessarily has anything towards Nick Saban, but I think he has... has, Alabama. He has a great deal of unfinished business. There we go. That's that's mind. the best way of saying that. He has a great deal of unfinished business. Do you think he's going to tell us no? He's going to tell us this is just another game. I, oh, I yeah, get just that. the next team in front of us. I, I get that, as he should, and I'm not faulting him. But how badly is Kirby just dying 
dying to finish off what he started last year. Guys, it it's the it's all all the emotion Kirby has is about this game. That's the end of it. Let me ask you about this game, Clint. And the, and obviously we've got many more conversations to have before we make a prediction, so I'm not asking you for a prediction. Here's what I'm asking you. How many points do we need to score to win this game? Minimum. Minimum? Yes. Oh. Okay, I'm going to answer that question by thinking ideal situation everything falls our way they score they score 25 you're telling me the best case scenario that we could possibly hope for from our defense well, well the be- well is no. 25 no i'm, I'm just I'm, asking that's what I'm you t- said so i'm no, just clarifying what, no, i'm well, not no, you, disagreeing you, you took a different spin on it is what you did okay. I, I, i'm not ideal situation is uh, we blitz two at a death, and they score seventeen on a couple of broken plays. That's that's ideal. I think the most okay. likely in which we win. That's so. My my answer is the most likely situation in which we win. They score twenty five, so we have to tor- score twenty six. Is the minimum amount of points we got to score? Okay. I think we have to score thirty to win, even. Even in the best case scenario, I just genuinely, I think in the most realistic case scenario. Yeah. Now that's a different answer. In the most realistic case scenario, we probably have to score 38. I I was going to say 35. Yeah. Yeah. I think we give up 35 in the most realistic case scenario. So, um, yeah, it's not a... In my mind, there are three potential outcomes of this game. And I don't love it, but here's what they are. There are, there's the outcome where Alabama wins a close game. Okay. Another heartbreak. (laughs) There's the outcome where Georgia wins another close game. Mm -hmm. Another Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Another Rose Bowl. And there's the outcome where Alabama blows us out. 45-10 going away. Was never that close. Yeah. They score first. We punt. They score again. The game ends. Correct. And we just have to sit there. And take it on the chin from Gary Danielson. I I just don't see the other scenarios really playing out. I don't see the the comfortable 10-point win from Georgia, and I don't see the 21-plus point win from Georgia either. Uh, uh, either expect a podcast Saturday night or not one for two weeks. These are the, these are the situations that you and I are, are going to deal with. Expect live audio of me burning my own house to the ground. Correct. That's expect what you to can see expect. Channel Three News on a helicopter as as Daniel sits on his chimney, surrounded by smoke, and just, just flips off the cameraman and says, "Leave, leave me here. This is where I belong. This, this is, is where I belong." <laughs> oh gosh! All right. Well, it's Monday, and this is how we feel. Uh, we will be back we'll be back tomorrow we've got lots more in terms of this game to talk about and you heard him right we're back tomorrow people we'll be back tomorrow so don't worry about that uh, tune in if you're not subscribed to the podcast already go ahead and subscribe so that you get it downloaded automatically every day you can expect to hear from us every Uh, day people I'm gonna I'm gonna tease you with this I'm gonna tease you with this people if you want to go okay. ahead and do some research ahead of time, you do some research ahead of time because I've been doing it. I ask you, if if you were to guess the yards per play Bama has on offense and the yards per play UGA has on offense and the difference between those, you, you go right ahead. You research that because that's one of the little tidbits I'm going to drop for you tomorrow. Goodness. 
goodness gracious. Uh, Clint, just so we're clear, is working himself into a full lather. Prediction, I'm going to put on my predicting robe for a second. Get it on, by the time By the time we get to Thursday's podcast, the scenario where Georgia blows Alabama out <laughs> is going to be on the table for Clint. I'm just going to say it right now. The scenario where we win by 35 and uh, Tua leaves the field in tears midway through the second quarter, not because of an injury, no. but because of humiliation. He has quit. That is going to be a real scenario. Nick Saban announces his retirement in the post-game interview. That's going to be a Nick, real scenario. Nick Saban for calls Clint. up Urban Meyer and says, "What? What's that brain thing you said you had? What's that? What's that thing you gave as a reason that you had to quit? Because I, I think I may have it too." Uh, yeah. So just just stay tuned to see how Clint progresses through the week because I can just tell you he's on a trajectory. That is, it's going to get real pretty soon. Uh, and that's our takes for today. Again, we'll be back tomorrow. Hope you'll check us out. Uh, give us a rating. Leave us a review. It's championship week. Leave Come us on, a y'all. championship rating, and we would greatly appreciate it. And we will try to deliver a championship caliber podcast for you every day this we'll do week. do our best, people. Uh, all right. Have a good rest of your Monday, and we'll see you tomorrow. See ya.